fuzz? No, I don't want any of the fuzz that you have pulled up off of the carpet. That's disgusting. Is it just cat hair? Probably. I don't want it. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the oh my gosh. third okay. episode of the Too Many Cooks in the Theater podcast. We're going to get the name right this time. Yeah. In case, I don't... <laughs> in case you guys didn't notice, for those of you that listened last time, we didn't mention the name of the podcast once. And that's because we didn't get the name of the podcast correct once. Yeah, mentally, we just kept saying too many cooks in the kitchen, which is not what this is called. So I had to painstakingly go through and edit out every mention of the uh, incorrect name and restructure certain conversations. It was was a whole mess of things that I had to do to try and get that right. But we're going to call it correct this time. Yes. So uh, we're back for our third episode. And... uh, Let's see. This week, we're going to be reviewing, starting off with uh, Birds of Prey. Or, well, that's not the full name of this movie. Birds of Prey and the Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. No, no, no. You forgot the fantabulous. Oh, the... Oh! Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Oh, how did I forget about the non-existent word fantabulous being used in the title of a film? Because... Or should we use it by its uh, new rebranded name, Birds of Prey, uh, colon, Harley Quinn? Or is it Harley Quinn colon Birds of Prey? It's the name for this movie's a mess. It's 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 not unlike this movie. Um, oh, hey, hold on! You're getting a little ahead of yourself there because we're yeah, gonna be talking about yeah, another well, movie. I know. We're gonna be talking about something else after Birds of Prey. We're gonna be talking about Sonic the Hedgehog because I know everybody's waiting to hear what we have to say about that. What y'all wanted you asked for this. Nobody asked for this. It's- so just as a bit of an explanation for why some of the things have changed a little bit, we realized that the format that we were deciding to do, new releases, and then the Director's Cut series, was making these podcast episodes obnoxiously long. Yeah, we obviously don't know how to uh, be brief when we talk about these things, and we realized that, uh, yeah, we're going to have to change things up a bit. So just from here on out, uh, we're going to be doing it weekly now instead of bi-weekly. We're going to be dropping a one episode on a weekend that's going to be talking about new releases, and then the next week we'll be continuing our Director's Cut series. Um, so that's just kind of what it's going to look like from yeah, now on. Yeah, I think on. it'll make it a little bit more digestible for everybody in, in smaller chunks. Yeah, so instead of listening to us for an hour and 40 minutes talk about something, we're going to be there for maybe 40 to 50 minutes at the most. Yeah, I think I think that'll work a little bit better. So I guess we'll kind of kick it off if you want to start talking about Birds of Prey. Uh... Yeah. So, okay. So Birds of Prey, I mean, I, I guess I'll go ahead and go into it a little bit because not maybe not everybody knows what this is. Um, but this is sort of an offshoot of the movie Suicide Squad from a few years ago based on a comic book uh, characters and uh, the... The character of Harley Quinn, which is played by Margot Robbie in Suicide Squad, apparently she nailed that part so well that they decided to make an entire movie around her character. Um, which is funny because like, I think, I, I, ironically enough, Harley Quinn was actually not created in the comics. It was actually created for the animated series back many, many years ago. It was actually not an original comic creation, Harley oh, Quinn. Wow. It was added to the comics later, but it was actually... Uh, an original character and for the animated show. Look at her now. For the ba- Batman animated Got show. more legs than anybody would have And now she's thought. huge and popular. Um, you know, as you know, she was the love interest of the Joker in Suicide Squad. Um, but that's that's not any part of this particular movie. So this this movie is, takes up sort of the immediate aftermath of Suicide Squad, or at least the aftermath of uh, Harley Quinn and Joker's relationship. 
and you know where her life takes her next, what what she's going to be about, where is she going to find her purpose in life now that Mr. J is no longer in the <laughs> equation, which is apparently something that just uh, she's completely tore up about in her own special way. Um, but uh, so this is just sort of the you know the non-spoiler version of it, and we'll, we'll jump into spoilers a little bit later, but. Uh, you know, she jumps into this next stage of life. She's a criminal. She's sort of this anti-hero that, uh, everybody seems to, to have fallen in love with. And she's naturally, she gets in trouble with the law. She gets in trouble with the local crime syndicate, um, you know, played with enormous glee by Ewan McGregor and, uh, all sorts of shenanigans, uh, ensue. And of course she comes across other, um, other ladies along the way that sort of join. You're laughing. So You're going. Right yeah, like I. You had so much like in about this film more than I ever thought that you would have had to say. Considering well, I'm trying to set things up a little bit. You. <laughs> we're not going to get into spoilers, but just without like without this getting is too deep. No, 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 no. I know, I know. Let me. I'm, here's what I'm trying to say. Without getting too deep into it, uh, neither of us liked this movie. So the amount of like of of words that you put into explaining what this movie's about. I feel like is very disproportionate to the love for this film. Well, I sort of thought about how we want to approach non-spoilers, I think. And I, I don't think it's so much about like uh, saying nothing whatsoever. No, yeah, but... Uh, you know, I mean, if if you want the non-spoiler version of this, I want to sort of give you a rough outline yeah. of when this takes place and how and who the characters are. And, and I really need to step up my game for my Sonic outline then. You know, all of that stuff. And, and so, you know, we'll jump into the massive details in a little bit. Um, but, you know... This is, this is sort of her, uh, you know, her story and where she fits into this kind of crazy, wacky world and her own way of looking at the world. And it's pretty, it's a pretty interesting, uh, the way they set things up, uh, like cinematically from the story wise, it's sort of one of those stories that jumps back and forth quite a bit. And, you know, we have varying opinions on whether we like that sort of thing or not. But I mean, just, you know, beyond oh, we didn't like it too much. Where where did you have the most issues with this film? I mean, without getting into super specifics, I, I just felt that it was a very valiant attempt at trying to make this this feminine led um, action comedy romp of, of this idea that they they really they they put a lot into it and and they tried really hard it just fell extremely flat and not because of what it was um trying to do but because of just how it failed to to do that well i i, I was very interested in, in what this movie was going to be i loved the idea of it i'm not a big fan of harley quinn but i was interested to see what they would do with her character and i was excited to see margot robbie kind of do this again um but in the end it just a lot of the the cards that they brought to the table and trying to pull this story off and to pull this movie off just were not did you feel like the the cast in and of itself sort of brought the best they could to the table and just the story failed? I think them? I like... think that they they I think some of them tried a little bit harder than others, but I think all of them had very little to work with. And I think we'll, we'll talk more specifics. Uh, in a... Yeah, because I think some of them came out looking a lot better than others. That is quite true. And uh, but I think more than anything else, this movie isn't necessarily about the story. 
the story is just sort of a yeah a catalyst f- to give it some momentum to get from one character beat to the next. The story's not terribly interesting um, from my perspective. Um, so I would have liked a little bit more creativity in the story. I think they were just looking for the uh, the manic intensity of the movie to sort of carry it along. Yeah, and I and I can't blame them for that. I don't think that's a terrible idea, but the execution of it was just so poor that it didn't that I couldn't forgive it for making that choice. Right. And <laughs> I mean interestingly enough, I you didn't like it. I liked it less than you did and we'll get into some of that here in a little bit. Yeah, um, there was I I I wanted I wanted to like this movie quite a bit. Um and it just didn't didn't deliver on on my hopes. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's shot. Well, I mean, it, there's some, a lot of creativity behind the camera that it's, I really, it's really competently like. made. I will it give looks, it that. It looks really good. And, um, I'm interested to see what this director does, does next. Yeah. Uh, I think she's got some talent and, uh, I think it's worth kind of keeping an eye on her. Um, but again, I think it was a story that let her down and I think some specific choices within the film also turned me off, uh, Quite a bit, but we'll we'll be getting to that. Um, in fact, <clears throat> yeah. Why don't we? Why don't, yeah. Why don't we just? Okay. Why don't we just break forth in the spoilers? Okay. So this is the point. We'll cut to the spoilers, and uh, so I had this whole movie to me. I had a visceral reaction to a lot of what was going on from the get go. Um, I felt like this was trying so hard. To shove its like violence and uh, ugly nature in my face, that it lost me at the very beginning of the movie. Like, I mean, it, it's it sets up this whole thing with this this animated backstory that sets up Harley Quinn. Yeah, the animated opening sequence was was quite. It felt very out of place. I, I get that they're kind of trying to, to capture... They're trying to catch you up to like what well, you missed in Suicide Squad and what's going on with her and the Joker and where that ended up and everything. I mean, they're trying to give you like a short summation. Of and, they're, and they're all and they're trying to like play into this the manic personality of Harley Quinn. But it just feels... It just ends up feeling very inconsistent with, with everything else that the movie does. It's the only time... There are there are two sequences and, and we're we're in spoilers so there are two sequences in the film that I feel like stand out from the movie like a sore thumb I would say the animated sequence mm-hmm. and then the dance number that gets thrown in there for a total of I uh, like a minute and a half there's a weird dance number and I don't know if you why am I drawing a blank on the dance number it who's, was who was dancing it was it was Harley Quinn it was during the scene after she'd been kidnapped by oh. by Ewan McGregor and he slaps her and then she has like this fever dream and it's like a yeah, musical yeah, yeah, number yeah, yeah. okay it's the most disgusting and unnecessary thing in the movie and of uh, a movie that's like that revels in being so random and quirky well and I, it just and it just doesn't belong well I mean from the beginning and and like you, I am not a huge fan of the Harley Quinn character in and of itself. I feel like this one is aiming a bit for a Deadpool type, uh, like style. Can I? I just gotta say, I'm so sick of anti heroes, of the of the vulgar like. Uh, ridiculous meta anti heroes. Well, you're it's not become... a big fan of Deadpool. I think Deadpool it's... is. Uh, Especially the first one is a success. I think the first one is a success. The second one, probably to a lesser degree. So we'll di- disagree on that. But can you agree that this one is sort of going for that same vibe? Yes, I will agree. And while I like, think that all three of them have failed, I will agree that this one was right, definitely trying to emulate like that. Manic, comic, in- intensity, uh, you know, uber violence, cra- like in your face 
violence, like trying to shock you, yeah. breaking the fourth wall at times and, uh, <sighs> you know, occasionally doing kind of crazy nonsense like that. It's aiming for that particular vibe. Yeah. And uh, I think this one fell a little bit bit short. But the whole st- the whole story setup is basically after Harley Quinn breaks up with Mr. J and she's moving on with her life and she's just out partying and, and trying to find herself like, you know, where's where's her place in this world? And she gets mixed up with uh, the, the a local, uh, what do you call it, like a... Gang, what what is you and McGregor's character? Is like a gang? Oh, yeah, he, yeah, he's like some some yeah some gang. He's got some guy know. that just kind of runs the local city. He's the mob boss guy. Yeah, that yeah, just kinda, mob boss that that tries to take over everything. And and they run into each other and have this sort of like uh, conflict that goes on. And you get to see you McGregor and his character. The comic character is known as Black Mask. And honestly. I don't know a whole heck of a lot about these particular comic characters. So if there's any history about it that, you know, that I'm missing entirely, then that's, that's on me. I just don't know it, but this, but you know, I shouldn't have to bring that into a movie. No, 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 you shouldn't have to, but, Um, but you know, so from the very beginning, you see just how awful and violent and um, over the top, like almost gleefully evil. Well, yeah, because it, it, and it, it, in an opening sequence where we kind of get introduced into to Black Mask as a villain and his his uh, right hand man Victor Jazz Victor Zaz 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 Victor Zaz, um, and in this horrifically like uncomfortable scene of of them torturing this family, it's 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 so well. This is where they set up this like this bad taste in my mouth yeah this movie it has these these two tones of like absurdist comedy and like horrifically grounded violence and it just hops back and forth between the I mean, two we can say it he like cuts off people's faces yeah and it's not even in like not even in a comical way that entire sequence is played so serious and so horrifyingly real that you're it's it's gross it's kind of disgusting and i and i'm not like squeamish when it comes to the things that you see in movies but when a movie is so all over the place and inconsistent with what it's what mood or tone it's trying to set to go from like the happy go lucky kind of quirky nonsense of harley quinn to victor zaz cutting off someone's cutting off someone's face next to his own daughter who's screaming for her dear life, it's just it's like know. it's like whoa! I, what is happening to the movie that I'm watching? I mean, I get I I get that there's a place for like sort of cartoony violence kind of stuff, even if it's R-rated cartoony violence. I get there's a well, place for that, but you got to find a a balance or or a right mixture where it doesn't feel like you went too far. There's a way to do a scene like that that can be played comically, despite even How even the, even is. the reality of it being awful there's a way to play it in a comical way and it's been done before and and that that's not a bad thing but for them to play it so seriously just continually uh, i think this is one of the first times i noticed it and it just continues to happen throughout the entire movie that it just can't pick a, a mood and it doesn't know what it's trying yeah. to be yeah and and i it will some of the other characters come into this play cuz there's a you know the birds of prey is you know supposedly this team of female superheroes. So we get introduced to Dinah Lance, also known as Black Canary, and that's Jeremy Smollett plays that particular character. Rosie Perez shows up and she's a a detective that is trying to kind of crack this case that 
to bring in Black Mask and get him off the streets. Um, but she's getting no support from her uh, superiors. Um, then, weirdly, Mary Elizabeth Winstead shows up <coughs> as... <coughs> I don't I don't really know how to put it. I love Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and somehow, somehow they made her, like, uninteresting to me in this movie and just awful and so she was she was legitimately she was awful you know and the whole gag i mean she plays the huntress but the whole gag about her like trying to find her name or or trying to name herself and everybody's sort of scoffing at it and not understanding what it was she was talking about uh i didn't dig it um but their paths all cross through this this narrative where this young girl uh, who I guess is the fifth member of the Birds of Prey. I mean, I think she's sort of part of the no, gang at some point. No, but she's, she's a young like, girl. She's like eleven. I know, but I'm look. Everything I've been reading says she's part of it. So she's I'm just like, is what she is. But she's a thief, a pickpocket who somehow manages to get hold of this like ultra valuable diamond, the Bertinelli diamond. Bertinelli, that, Bertinelli diamond that belongs to the the famous Bertinelli family that were all murdered and. Uh, through some horrific gang violence in another and, in another horrifically violent, completely yeah. serious scene, and, and so, but this you know this young girl, uh, she's she's sort of the well, she and the diamond are sort of the MacGuffin in this entire thing that everybody's chasing down to try to figure it because believe it or not, she swallows the diamond. Yeah, after after getting uh, after getting picked up by the police, police yeah. on the side of the road, she swallows the diamond. And from then on out, uh, Black Mask has sent Harley Quinn to retrieve the diamond. Harley finds out that this girl has it, and so they kind of form this camaraderie as they're waiting for the girl to literally poop the diamond. Well, and this is one of those things that I didn't completely understand because, like, Harley Quinn was making a mess of his entire business or whatever you're going to call it. Um, Cassandra Kane, that's the young girl's name. I couldn't remember her name for a second. And, oh, yeah. But he... but. Harley Quinn is making a mess for thing, and he was just gonna. Off he was gonna, he was just gonna murder her, and, and for some reason or another, she's sitting there and says, "Hey, I can find you this diamond." And for whatever reason, he believes her because we wouldn't have had a movie. Well, I know, but I was like, you know, he has her all dead to rights, and she's you know getting ready to take her out. And she's there was like, no reason for him to do it. Yeah. I think, I think, I think at one point later on, he told Victor Zaz he was like I, that he just did it because why not? But. Uh, that doesn't I don't know. So, but there's a whole sound lot of, valid. There's a whole lot of, of logic leaps in this thing that with characters making choices that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But so but they're all after this diamond, basically. And that's that's the thing that everybody's chasing. But throughout this movie, the thing that kept crossing my mind is this is a very female centric movie. And I'm I'm all for for that sort of thing. But the one thing I noticed about this film coming out of it is that every single male character in this movie is like there's there's nobody redeemable from a male perspective whatsoever and if you're going to have sort of this this kind of movie that shows men in this light you need to have some sort of balance to show the contrast or something like that i kept feeling like no matter what man showed up he was either a misogynist he was uh deviant he was corrupt he was one or the other and after a while i was like 
Is, is, is this the world that we're playing in? Uh, I think it is. I think this is the world that this this movie's playing in. I think that they're intentionally making it that way to they kind are. of. Oh, they're intentionally some... doing it. Yeah, and I'm not, and I think that that's per- perfectly fine within reason. Uh, I I don't have an issue with with them painting men in that light because this movie's a comedy. It's an absurdist portrayal of the world, and I don't think it's trying to present this as reality. Granted, I think it's definitely trying to showcase women's issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is that something that they're very prominently trying to feature in the movie so i don't take issue with their treatment of men because i think that their treatment of women is just as ridiculous sometimes i don't think that there's a redeemable female character in this movie either i would i i can't think of one i don't even like who are you going to well say i mean like redeemable? i said i think i think some of the characters come out better than others and i kind of liked black canary's character a little bit at least okay I'll, yeah that she's about the only one who i could I tolerate with way, any with any i like the way journey smollett played her she had a presence that that wasn't she wasn't as much of a loose cannon as some of the rest of them her level-headedness made certain scenes in the film a lot more tolerable yes so i liked her quite a bit um but for the most part the the rest of them didn't have a whole lot of qualities that i particularly cared about and with you know and margot robbie really does a great job playing this character but the problem is the character well, and that's and here's something is here's something I'll say. I I hated Suicide Squad so much, and I hated Harley Quinn in Suicide Squad. I I enjoyed Harley Quinn in this movie. Did you? Uh, maybe maybe I say I enjoyed her in this movie because it was leaps and bounds better than she was in Suicide Squad. So yeah. I'm ultimately comparing. A rotten apple to a less rotten apple. Just an old apple. <laughs> just an old apple. And so, just by comparison, she looks better. Yeah, maybe. But so. I, I, I tolerated her a lot more in this movie, and I, I even was entertained by her in some instances. But as a whole, all the characters in this film, the entire Birds of Prey roster, is just is very obnoxious in one note, and they, they could, they can all be singled or filed down to like a single character trait and and they just play that one character trait in almost every scene for laughs and and they don't there's no growths or character arcs or, or of any kind and i think that the only reason that that black canary worked for me is just because of how calm she was so despite her character being boring and not having any like semblance of a character progression the fact that she was playing normal within the rest of the roster of the birds of prey I was able to kind of stomach it better because the cop was obnoxious. Who Rosie Perez? Rosie Perez, I could yeah, not. Her, she's very drunken, Rosie Perez in this. Like, I don't, I didn't find her acting all that great. I couldn't stand Mary Elizabeth Winstead and how poorly that character was written. And Margot Robbie, while I was fine, I was okay with her, more okay with her in this movie. She started to wear on me towards the end. And then the young actress who played Cassandra Kane. Not a fan. I know. I and I I don't like to be mean to kids, but she sucked. <laughs> she was terrible. Uh, she like every scene that she was in, I was watching her and I she just her performance was so wooden. And I feel like in this day and age, we're seeing child actors come out of the woodwork left and right and give incredible performances that I don't even I don't want to let this slide just because she's a child. Yeah. You can find good child actors out there. I mean, I I didn't have as big an issue with her. Let's let's talk about you and McGregor for a second. Oh, oh have, man, my boy's hamming it up in this film. I, he's having a great time, and some of it really, really, really works. Especially in, a lot in that of cases. first half, his even when he's being evil, he 
and even in those scenes where where we were kind of bothered by the tone of it all, he's really just kind of going for it and being wild and as gross and ridiculous as it is, you're kind of entranced by it and the energy that he gives. I mean, he's he's definitely watchable. I think there was just too many moments for me where the character, the I, the, the sequence where. Are you about to bring the table sequence? Oh gosh, that one. Uh, there's yeah, there's a scene at some point after we, and I want to talk about this whole flashback sequence later. There's a scene where he starts to harass this woman at his bar to get up on a table after he thinks he was laughing at her or no, she, was she was laughing at him. At him yeah. She was laughing at him. He makes her get up on a table and start dancing and start stripping. And it's, and it's really uncomfortable. It's extremely uncomfortable and it is played completely serious and it, and it does not fit within this movie at all. I, yeah, I, I, I feel like the we're totally intentional in trying to make you uncomfortable with it, but I just don't think that was a good idea. No, and I, and I get why they're trying to do that to try and bring light to certain women's issues, but I don't think that this and I also in its presentation, I don't think this is the movie I to just, do it. I also have real reactions to watching men humiliate women. Yeah, uh, I just I just do not. I, I just I want away away from that, and so when that whole scene played out, I was like, "Oh my gosh, okay, this is this uh, this is over the top." And I, yeah, I'm and not it, and, this and it being a scene that's only within like the first forty five minutes to an hour of the movie, then all of a sudden you're like, "Now I have to sit and watch this character for the rest of the movie," and it's like there's no point afterwards where you just want to see him again. Yeah, he kind of loses. Uh, we were talking before about how he was kind of like interesting and you were kind of wanting to see what he would do just because of how energetic he was. After that point, I wanted nothing to do with him. And I, and I, and it like, yeah, I mean, his character became awkward after that because you saw him at this disgusting worst that you couldn't even be entertained by how horrifically zany he could be after that. Yeah. Cause you saw him. We be, knew what he was capable of. You knew what he point. was capable of. And you watched him like sexually harass and, and embarrass this woman and that's such a real and horrific thing. And then to watch him uh, come outside of this uh, uh, fun house and put on a mask and start yelling at everybody and fighting. Yeah, and then it's felt- then it's like, okay, I just watched this dude do something horrible. And now we're going to this. And it just, it feels like such an... Uh, it was kind of, yeah, it went to like... It feels lesser. Back to, straight back to Looney Tunes or something like that. Yeah, it, like feels, that. it feels like he's, uh, it feels like a lesser evil then. And, and it's so, weird. Here's, here's one of the compliments I will give this movie. In hindsight, I mean, like I said, I, when I walked out, I was feeling like, ugh. Some of the action sequences in this movie are, action sequences in this movie are really, really well designed and put together. I'm thinking in particular... The choreography, like, yeah. Yeah, the fight choreography and... and so they've got a lot of the team that put together some of the John Wick uh, choreography together yeah. to create some of this stuff. Specifically, I'm thinking of like the scene in the evidence room. Okay. Yeah. That's that's the one that I, I enjoyed quite a bit. Yeah. That one was like really creative, really stood out. And I'm willing to bet that's probably the one one of the John Wick team probably put together because yeah. there's this, yeah, this crazy design. I, I thought the whole thing with... Uh, her hiding behind the the blocks of the bags of cocaine. Bags of cocaine like and, and oh yeah, and blowing that in, up and stuff like that. I mean, it was like with cocaine. Her taking good. and just just get launching into like that was creative. Uh, the stuff she does with the baseball bat. Um, yeah, like they they set up it, it it flows well and it feels like good natural fighting and yeah, you get a good she, sense she for she her. She gets hold of the baseball bat. She does this one move where she like bounces the bat. Off the floor, off the guy's head, and she catches oh, it's, it all. Oh, it's so good. Yes. It is quite... <sighs> it, I mean, so those some of those things really... 
I mean, that, those are the times where I was like, man, this is some real creativity behind this stuff. But they were so few and far between. Yeah, but, but my problem is, is I enjoyed that scene. and But then I have it in contrast to the fight scene in the funhouse later. You didn't like that at I all. I did not. All the camera what? felt really static and everything felt it was like shot differently it, really it was felt. shot entirely differently and i kept like noticing characters just standing awkwardly not really standing awkwardly in the background like but taking like turns yeah it felt like they were taking turns like they were only doing something when they were on camera and obviously they were actually doing stuff in the background but it, it didn't feel smooth or natural and it didn't flow anywhere near as good as the evidence room fight scene did right and and I liked the car chase scene. I thought that one was a better step up after the funhouse fight. But yeah. I think I felt like the action was a little inconsistent. And yeah, some of it just, was definitely better than others. Uh, I mean, all in all, I just yeah, I didn't come away feeling like I had any real fun with this. Um, no, it wasn't a very good time in the it it it. And we're in the minority on this. I understand that that like people are walking away from this, you know, feeling you know, really good about it. And, but I don't know, for some reason we just kind of fall into the camp. You're, that just didn't vibe. With you're it. saying we're in the minority. No one actually went and saw this movie. This movie's tanking. Well, I'm talking about in the minority of the people who've seen it. Yeah. Obviously we can't take, you know, what people who haven't seen it. What they no, I know. But what, but what I'm trying to say is, is that like, is the, this movie's not doing very well. And, and so, I don't know if, uh, the opinion relative to what are. though. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, what's the expectation <sighs> relative to the next movie that we're going to talk about? Well, okay. See, that's not a comparison. That's <laughs> Apple's a rated R, Deadpool esque comic book movie, and then to a PG family kids comedy. movie. No, not not the same thing at all. Um, I guess we need to kind of wrap up. Yeah, we've been we've been going for a bit, but I don't want to. Just overbash this one, something like that. But in the end, we were not entertained. We feel like this is sort of a missed opportunity to uh, do something fun. And I feel like they kind of got a little too too dark for me at times. Yeah, they it, it, it didn't seem like, like sometimes when a movie is rated, especially lately with the R rating, it definitely feels like movies are kind of proud to wear that badge, especially superhero films. Um, and I, while I don't quite feel like this movie was like proud, it, it definitely tried to use it to its advantage sometimes, but didn't quite know how to use it properly. And I, and as a whole, it kind of detracted from the experience. I was hopeful that this would kind of redeem these characters and continue to redeem the DC franchise, which I feel like is, has been going down the gutter for quite some time. And, and I, it's still going down for me. I, I don't you're, see. I've liked the last couple. So the last, the last I Shazam's good. And I liked Joker, but Aquaman was a disastrous. I, film. I had a fun time with Aquaman. We could spend a whole two hours talking about Aquaman just because and I like Wonder we Woman. could not disagree more. Ah, uh, Wonder Woman is fine. Um, but. I, I definitely think that this is a continual step down in terms of the quality of DC films, and it just continues to show how poor they are at setting up this interconnected you think we're world. Get another one of these? You think... No, I think no? I I would have if you had asked me two weeks ago, I would have said absolutely because I thought this movie was going to be successful regardless of the quality. I thought this movie was going to have financial success, but after seeing it, how poor the box office results have been. I don't think that this is going to go anywhere. And I feel bad for Margot Robbie because this was like a passion project for her, but I don't think that this is going to go anywhere. It'll be interesting to see how this does overseas as well. I mean, if it could, I mean, that sounds, I mean, suicide was awful, but it made like $800 million worldwide. So I think there's an audience for this sort of thing, not just in the U S but 
overseas. We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to, we'll have to wait and see. And, I, you know, of course, there's all sorts of things going on overseas right now that could completely wreck, you know, any any hope this has. But, uh, yeah, I think in the end, we are not fans of this. We thought might have been interesting, but not for us. Yep. I Yeah, I'd say, I'd say skip it. It's just, it's not... Worth the money or time, and so unless you were already interested in seeing this, um, I won't stop you, but I wouldn't recommend it. Obviously, this is just our opinion, but yeah. So moving along, moving along to the next, the next. You're thing really excited about this. I'm one. so excited. I wanted us to see this. I like we we had like a not like a debate, but we kind of had to sit down when planning ahead for the podcast. We kind of have to sit down and figure out what we're going to go see and what we're going to talk about. And we juggle on whether or not we're going to go see certain movies based on artistic, like, interest or because they're the wide release movie of the weekend. And I somehow was able to convince you to go see Sonic the Hedgehog with me. Somehow. Somehow. So, Sonic the Hedgehog... What's the... Pull up the director for me. <laughs> I didn't even... It's this movie Hedgehog. This movie doesn't even feel like the work of a director. It feels like the work of a studio or like a production company. Sonic the Hedgehog is the story of a blue alien hedgehog stuck on Earth after running away. I think everybody knows his... who Sonic the Hedgehog is. No, I'm talking about the film. Okay, I know, but... You... I'm giving... You gave Birds of Prey such a detailed analysis right, 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 right. for the spoiler-free audience. I want to give Sonic the same amount of love. Directed by Jeff Fowler. What else has he done? <laughs> Jeff Fowler. <laughs> Not much. Sonic... <laughs> you interrupted my flow. Yeah. Sonic comes down to Earth and he's stuck there and 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 uh, due to circumstance is being hunted by the government and becomes friends with James Marsden, our main character, Tim, Tom, Tom, Wachow- Tim Wachowski. No, Tom, 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 Tom Wachowski. Tom Wachowski. Tim is, oh, I almost spoiled the joke. <laughs> One of the only good jokes. Um, uh, and I, <sighs> this movie, <laughs> I, hey, you wanted to spell Tell, I know. Us, tell the story. I know, I know. And and he goes on a quest with Tom, played by James Marsden, um, while being chased by uh, Dr. Robotnik, played by Jim Carrey. And I can't, I like you, I, gosh, I wanted to talk about this within the same depths that you gave Birds of Prey, but this movie has no you're plot. Done. You're done now. That's it. That's all that you need to know because, and even if I got into spoilers to try and further explain what happened, it would probably take about another minute and a half to explain to you what happens in this movie because it's over just as soon as it begins. Yeah. I mean, that's see, ironic considering it's about I, Sonic the Hedgehog. I feel like this kind of movie you, we, we've all seen before to various degrees of success. Uh, and some of them work better than others. This one would probably fall into one that works a little better than others. I mean, I'm thinking that That's any, any kind anything where you're putting an animated character in a real life world. That's the category I'm talking about. Whether it's like Scooby Doo or Woody Woodpecker or don't you dare trash on those Scooby Doo films? What, there's a Yogi Bear movie too oh, that did that. Oh, that oh, kind of thing where you take like a famous cartoon character and just stick them on you, planet Earth. Did you ever see that Yogi Bear film? God no. It's awful. Well, yeah. It is. It that's is. why I'm saying varying degrees of success. And that's <gasps> why... They made a Marmaduke movie. Yeah. Oh, I'm having like war flashbacks. That's... They... they <sighs> this is what they do. And so in the grand scheme oh, of things... When they you, made a film about Underdog. 
Got any more up here? I just like these are just like it's all coming back to me. Yeah. This is a thing. This is an entire industry. Oh of my gosh! Sticking cartoons in people, Smurfs. They did the same thing. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, Neil Patrick Harris. You got it. So this, so relative to all of those, this is not the worst thing that you've ever seen. It is not a good movie, but it is not an offensively terrible movie either. Yeah. Um, it is, you know, sort of paint by numbers joke writing. Uh, in the sense that, like, what did I say? One out of every ten. One lands? out of one out of every ten jokes land, and they make about ten jokes every two minutes. Yeah, I mean, they're coming at you flying. You know, it hurts almost sometimes. Um, <laughs> the but, amount of jokes they're throwing at you. But you know, and James Marsden, I kind of liked him a little bit. I thought his character was sort of like watchable and charming. Hey, I'm trying to give this thing the benefit of the doubt, so just bear with me. Um. You know, but the plot itself is just sort of like point A to point B, point C, all to try to fit some, admittedly, some pretty cool CGI animated effects. I think a lot of that kind of works. And so every now and then something pops up that's actually looks really, really good. Um Oh, you look like you need to say something. Give me, give me like an hour. I'll, I'll. I'll get and I'll like drink a thing of Benadryl and I'll write a better plot for an entire Sonic oh, film. Yeah, but these things, these things are not around the plot. These are not around the plot. I know. And, and that's, and here's the thing is it's like, I hate, I hate saying this about movies where it's like, we're not the audience for this, but we're not the audience for this. And in some ways I can forgive it for that because we're really not the target. But I think, I think now more than ever in 2020, we need to hold children's animated films to a higher standard because they can be successful films for children and for adults. Yeah. We have examples all the time, especially lately with stuff like the Lego movie and uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and uh, anything by Lakai, um, the stop motion films. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like Kubo and the Two Strings. Kubo, yeah, you can, make, you can make animated films that will work for both adults and children. Would you call this an animated film? I would not call this an animated film. I would call this a film Fine. with an animated character, like like children's, right? Films. Ch- but a children's film, a movies, kid, movies that are a family aimed, film, movies that are aimed at children, and this movie is literally aimed at children, which is weird considering like the majority of Sonic, of of the fan base of Sonic the Hedgehog is majority adult. Well, because yeah, that because they're from the era where Sonic was in his prime. I mean, that's yeah. like where most people know Sonic the Hedgehog from. Um, so I, I don't know. We'll, we'll try and we'll try and we'll try and wrap this up before yeah. we get into spoilers. I I was going to talk about Jim Carrey a little bit, but I'll save that for the spoiler section because I think his is an interesting zany case. I, I, I could not stand this movie. I loved every second of it. I, I never want to watch it again. I had the time of my life. If they made a Sonic two, I will be there opening night. So I if literally really confused at this point. I don't. So it's, it's, I. it's like I and I was thinking about this because I was like, okay, we're gonna have to sit down and talk about this movie. I need to figure out how I feel about it, and I don't know because it's genuinely it's not good. It's bad, but I there's but, something about it that just cracked me up and made me had a like I had a good time despite how much I couldn't stand it sometimes. 
Well, the audience we were with was having a really good time with it. So, well, that's because they were all under the age of like nine. I know. But I mean, that's the thing. If under that particular age, they're going to eat this up. I mean, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that particular brand of entertainment for kids. It I mean, makes me it makes me wonder how many films I saw at that age in my life that I thought were like the greatest thing ever and I feel like I should watch them now and reevaluate. Well, not necessarily. I mean because it's going to play differently to you back then than it is now. Yeah, so it doesn't movies, mean movies, it, you're right. Movies play differently. It wouldn't invalidate what you felt back then because that was different. Um shall we jump into the next section? Yeah, let's yeah. go ahead and let's go ahead and crack open the spoilers. I just want to I just want to say something real quick. This is the fourth movie, the and fourth new release film that we've talked about in a row that features unnecessary usage of of a I bet you're wondering how I got here style moment. I where it opens with where like, it opens with the character like where it opens in the future and the character's like I I bet you're wondering how why this is happening. So, let's go back to the beginning of the story and it just it's like gentlemen used it, the rhythm section used it. I don't think Birds of Prey started with it, but and we didn't even well, get to talk was, about this with Birds of Prey, but there was a sequence in the middle of it that, that was hopping it all back. that was hopping all over that the place. hopped all over the place, and then Sonic opens with it too for no, no reason whatsoever. It didn't need to start like this. People need to learn how to write good movie openings. It's not that hard. Well, apparently it is. I you would it's, think you, you would really, think you sound really upset right now. I just I. <laughs> This is the snobbiest thing that I will ever say on this podcast. No, it's as not a that. screenwriter, it is not that hard to come up with a better opening, and I don't understand why we continually let the bar be set this well, low. Is this okay. like a studio mandated thing? Okay, we're talking about Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> okay, I don't think they're trying to win a screenwriting award with this movie. So I would love for Sonic the Hedgehog to have the greatest screenplay of 2020 and like be nominated for Oscars. Imagine a world where that happened. I'd rather not. I'd rather not. But why not? Why can't it be? Uh, why because, can't we have that? Because, Just because it's Sonic the Hedgehog? Uh, because they're spending too much time on other things. Let's talk about the movie in, in general. So, <laughs> the the specifics of this thing is basically Sonic the Hedgehog, as we all know him, is on his little... Oh, he's little he's little Sonic Hedgehog. That's right. He starts as a baby Sonic Hedgehog oh, who's, being, who's being raised by baby everything. an owl... Like, I don't know where this owl... I don't know why an owl was raising a hedgehog, but so be it. It's, it doesn't and matter. They're in, they live in the little video game world, and all the enemies of, of Sonic want his power, and basically uh, he gets sent to Earth to escape all of those who are after him. I didn't even explain to you the whole reason why they were after him. I could give you a reason. Is there a reason? Yeah. They want a, his power, right? Yeah, they want his power, but uh, there's what they are is... I know what they are. I'm not going to... I'm are not going to tell you. you know what they are? No, you're not supposed to know, but I know because okay. because I know Sonic. But you'll find out in Sonic Two. Oh, whatever. Sonic the Hedgehog Two. So Anyways, that's he, how he, he ends up on Earth. He ends and up, he ends up in this tiny town called Green Hills. Green Hills, that uh, you know, small town, or is it like Montana or somewhere along those yes, lines? Yes, Montana. Yeah, we'll just go with Montana. That's probably wrong, but no, it was Montana. And he lives, you know, so he's sort mm-hmm. of hiding around the outskirts of this tiny town of Green Hills, and. He, trying not to make his presence known, but trying to like find connection with people because that's kind of the theme of this movie. He's so lonely. He's yeah, he's lonely, and he wants friends, and he wants family or, or whatnot. And he needs friendship. Remember, but, friendship is super. But important. he gets so lonely one time that he like <laughs> almost blows up the entire city. Um, <laughs> 
you said that. No, that's what I'm saying. He, he There was one time he got so sad that he ran so fast he blew up a baseball stadium and knocked out the power for the entire continent? Uh, it was not the entire continent. It was like maybe the entire state. Or it something might have been like the entire state of Montana, but the Pentagon but found out about it. Basically, he exploded with loneliness. And <laughs> they, the government, you know, had readings on this particular power surge or whatever. And like, oh, we got to go discover who this is. And they send in Dr. Robotnik. Played by Jim Carrey, who's Jim Carrey in Ace Ventura cosplay. I mean... Yeah, this is uh, this is the thought I had coming out of it. it was, this is a, like essentially evil Ace Ventura version. It is, which yeah. I'm glad that Jim Carrey gets to do something like that again. He hasn't gotten to to play a character like that in quite some time, where he's like overly animated he, over the, the high physicality. Yeah, um, and and I don't. Did you enjoy that? I don't know. I kind of sometimes did. Sometimes I thought it was hilarious, and but not. In a good way. I think I might have laughed because it was just so ridiculous. But there were other times where it was overbearing. Yeah, it felt like... They're like, look how goofy he is. Yeah, and I don't know if it's because we've been watching Jim Carrey for 30 years and we've seen him do so many kinds of different things that... Yeah. You know, at the beginning Ace Ventura, at the beginning of his career, Ace Ventura was sort of a novelty. Like, we had never seen anything like this before. Now that oh, sort of... Oh, gosh. That's like... That's what comedy is these days. Right, and, and now it's like returning to that particular form of comedy i don't i don't know it doesn't quite ring it's funny to me plus i mean like i said his one-liners and his gags and his jokes and like his interactions with henchmen and or what was this uh dr stone dr stone was it Which, i thought it was just stone i don't think it's uh, it that, that guy's not a doctor it might have just been yeah it might have just been stone well but, no there was something I don't but know his interactions with people the way he likes to talk down to them humiliate them condescend some of them. it was funny some of it was funny but then other of it bits felt of like it, he was just riffing yeah which goes back to that thing where we were just talking about one out of every 10 jokes because he just he just kept going and every time you're like all right come on just let the let the last joke breathe a little bit before you do something else and they just kept throwing him out there yeah maybe just for the sake of developing one liners that they thought would catch on with people but it, it never but if you were going to have a character like this i don't know who else you would have gotten no and and i think they were lucky to be able to get jim carrey i feel like anybody else would have butchered this i would love to see a jim carrey career revival at this point because i feel like he's been I... sort of like He's doing all right. He's on that television show on Showtime, Kidding, which I think he's getting yeah. some good attention for. And but I mean, like, his comedy stuff. What was the last good piece of comedy that he did before this? The number 23? No. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Wait. Yeah, not not unintentional comedy. No, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Dumb and Dumber 2? No. No. That's not it. I don't even know. I can't even remember the last one. That's the, uh, last one. the Incredible Burt Wonderstone. That's the last one he did. I don't think that was great. But anyway, wait. Enough of Jim. Are we sure that he was in that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he was in Burt Wonderstone. Yeah, Steve right. Carroll. Yeah. Carroll. Um, Carroll. Why did I say Carroll? I don't know. Um, so oh, what anyway, was, what were you thinking of? What was the last comedy that you were thinking of? Yes, in? man. Maybe. Oh yeah. 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 Actually, that's about right. So, anyway, I. I thought at times he was pretty inspired, but at times it was just like a joke a minute that didn't really land. Yeah. You know, he's playing over the top cartoony villain like you would expect in something like this. And, you know, 
it, that, it, is, that it, is what it is. It, it tries. So, um, anyways, the government sends in Dr. Robotnik to find out whatever the source of this uh, energy surge was. And that puts Sonic on the run. Um, and he goes to the only person he thinks he's friends with, uh, Tom Wachowski, played by James Marsden. He goes to his house because he has been watching Tom and his wife or his fiance from afar. Um, no, because I think they're married because they, are they married. Yeah. Because her sister's like trying to get them to divorce or something in like one that. of the most obnoxious running gags of the entire film. Yeah. Um, I don't, <laughs> this is a children's film. I, I don't know. We could talk about that another time, but anyways, so he goes to Tom's house and Tom shoots him with a tranquilizer gun, causing him to drop the bag of rings that he has the rings. Did you tell him about the rings? <sighs> Sonic has these rings, which open portals. I was about to explain. Excuse me for forgetting to bring up the rings. He drops his bag of rings, and one of the rings opens on a portal to San Francisco uh, because Sonic saw it on Tom's shirt before he passed out. And so the bag falls through the portal and lands on top of the... Some uh, tower in San Francisco. Some tower in San Francisco, and then the portal closes. So now, obviously, the next course of action is to spend the the next entire hour of the film trying to get to San Francisco like a buddy... uh, like a buddy cop, buddy, no, not buddy cop, buddy road trip, a, road, a road trip film between uh, James Marsden and this talking blue hedgehog. And they, it's, it's so simple. They just, they travel yeah. to San Francisco and they find friendship along the way. And it's all it so every cute and adorable. Yeah. And their banter is just the cutest. And his wife even brings it up to the end. in one of the most forced lines I've ever heard, Ever and Robotnik's chasing him the entire time, and then and then it ends. Well, I, I mean, I don't mind the whole idea of sequence. them bonding or anything like that. It just seemed like it kind of suddenly happened over the course of about three hours. Well, because the the idea of the idea of Sonic wanting friendship and being lonely, we're so beat over the head with it, and and it's so obvious what's going to happen in the story that it doesn't even feel like interesting to watch it happen. You're just you're waiting for them to connect and to become friends because you just you know that that's what the movie's going to be about and that's what it's going to do. Yeah. And so it doesn't feel natural. It just feels like what is supposed to happen. And and I feel like there's a way to do this in a kids film that works. I just don't. Oh, think absolutely. This, it's just... called subtlety, and it takes talent to write that. But it's called subtlety, and I think it goes back to having like voiceover. For the care for Sonic voicing over the entire film, telegraphing exactly what he's feeling all the time and telling us what he wants and what his character motivation is. And it just it, it leaves no room for for as an audience watching, wondering no. what could be going on because the movie just tells you what's going to happen. I mean, I think most most kid films don't really care about nuance too much when it comes to, you know, uh, character emotions and character connections and. And writing characters, I, I don't think they're they don't too, they don't pay much attention to that stuff because they're aiming for what's going to make you know kids laugh. And there's fart jokes in here, and there's you know the typical things that are going to make a kid laugh. I don't, but I don't mind poop and fart jokes. Uh, you can do a children's film with nuance. That's how. That's what Pixar has built its entire like repertoire I know, but that's what I'm saying. being able like, to do something like that. I, and that's why people remember Pixar films and they don't remember uh, like the cheap kids movies that are dropping every few weeks. Do you remember Abominable? Well, yes. That's only because it came out recently. Like the, those sorts of movies are coming out like every other day and like they're not remembered because they're, they're not 
good or quality and like they're not being remembered by people who remember these things. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I think so. I mean, I, I guess my, the point I was trying to make is that more often than not, yes, there is a way to do these things with subtlety and nuance and and real, you know, something that makes anybody of all ages, of any age, feel something. Most of the time, I don't think these kind of movies are care to pay attention to that kind of stuff. Yeah. And this falls into that category. It's not the worst example of this type of movie um, that that misses a lot of those things and sort of seems aimed at a particular, you know, demographic only. Yeah. And this is the kind of movie that you can like, you know, stick your kids in front of for a couple of hours if you need a break, but you're not going to feel any need to sit there and watch it with them. No. And in all honesty, it's, it's, it's fairly age appropriate and, and it's like, it keeps itself very tame and, and it's not. Oh yeah. It's totally safe. Yeah. And, and so uh, they really, they, they played it safe and they played it well in doing that. And I could see this becoming a good staple because, because Sonic is a recognizable name and that alone is giving it some major legs at that. Uh, yeah. And I think, success. I, I think we can expect to see more from this particular world. So I cannot wait. So, I want Sonic two. Yeah, I know. I know. Oh, they introduced so, tails I mean, at I, the end of the film and it was amazing. Now that we've thoroughly confused everybody about whether we recommend this film or not. Uh, where are you falling on this? Go see Sonic the Hedgehog, because why not? There's, like, nothing else worth seeing out in theaters right now. Like, I mean, I know there's some, like, artsier stuff and some of the smaller things that we haven't got a chance to see, but I'm talking about, uh, like, the January bigger, releases, the bigger January releases. releases. Like, there's, there's nothing I can think of that would, you know, obviously it's mind-numbing and it's really not that great, but it's so harmless. And your you kids can will find, like it. Your kids, your kids will, like, kids will it. like it. And it's... And it's you know, you can't take your kids to see Birds of Prey. You can take them to go see Sonic the Hedgehog. So yeah. I I would recommend this movie. I, I enjoyed it. I don't I, know if I'd I watch it I again. I think I into the like, is it good? No. Is it completely harmless? Yeah, it's harmless. It's not offensive in any particular way uh, from a parental standpoint or from a film going standpoint. It's not. And Honestly, all things considered, I I know that the the whole debacle about the the, the original design of the Sonic character oh, when yeah, they yeah, first released yeah. the trailer, they did a fantastic job with the visuals of the film. Yeah, I think I think visually it looks really really good. And so and all he that blends was... into the scenery well. Like I for the most part, for the, there was a couple times, but I I believed him like visually being there, and so that was I thought they did a good job fixing that. So so that's where we fall on Sonic the Hedgehog. So mild recommendation, I guess. Yeah, uh, I would mild mild recommendation. Mild, can't mild believe, is a good word. I can't I can't even believe that I'm saying that because I was I was dead certain this thing was going to be atrocious, and you know it's not great, but it's not atrocious. Well, thanks for listening to the third episode of the Too Many Cooks in the Theater podcast. We'll be back a week from now. Uh, talking about James Cameron. We're going to be getting back to our Director's Cut series. Yep, looking forward to that. We've got some interesting things to, to talk about as far as his work, and uh, it'll, be, it'll be a fun conversation. All right, see you next time.